Good morning. Welcome to another Morning Java brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market where uh, my favorite thing right now is the slushies, the spiked slushies. You get them behind, um, you know, the, the checkout uh, counter. And when I say spiked slushies, actual alcohol in the slushies, they tape it up, you take it home. The, the, new, the newest flavor, they have new flavors all the time, but the newest one is uh, Angry Orchard and Fireball. So cinnamon apple, perfect for, for fall. Is where, I guess we're heading into winter now, but uh, yeah, check it out while it's still there before uh, they switch it out for something winter. But um, <laughs> some some pretty you know big news related to the Penguins. Um, so the the World Junior Championship rosters were due um, a couple days ago, and the Penguins had both of their goalies drafted this year. Uh, Joel Blomquist and uh, Cal Klang, both of them made it for their countries. Blomquist for Finland and uh, Klang for Sweden. Um, and I think, and maybe a surprise to some people, um, Sam Poland did not make it from, uh, for Canada. He was one of the final uh, cuts. Dave, what did you think about, about Poland not making it? Were you surprised? What did you think? Well, yeah, I was one of the people who was surprised. I mean, obviously, we didn't get to see the Team Canada selection camp. So we don't know how he performed there. Uh, perhaps he didn't have a good camp or maybe... Canada is just so stacked that uh, they had that many more forwards, especially wingers, left wingers, who, who are better than he is. That's kind of hard to imagine um, because he's a pretty legit prospect who I believe that if the Penguins didn't have so many forwards on one-way contracts, he would have a legit shot at earning a spot on, on the roster you know, during the uh, coming season. So it's hard to believe that Canada had so many young players who are uh, who are better fits for their team than, than he is. But again, since we didn't get to see the camp, uh, we can't really pass an accurate judgment from a, from afar. Yeah. So the the twenty two skaters make it. Um, twenty of those twenty two skaters were first round picks. Every single one of the the forwards um, is a first round pick. And I mean that's without like like Lafreniere, he's not there. Um, it's it's a really really stacked roster this year. I mean one of the best rosters I think they've had in a while. And if you look at some of you know the wingers who made it over Poland, it's like a lot of like top ten, fifteen picks from from this year or last year. So I mean it's 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 a really good roster. And I don't know. I think. Um, I, going into the camp, I think I, I thought he'd make it maybe as the bottom six guy, but um, like you said, we couldn't watch the whole camp, but, you know, looking at like the highlights from their scrimmages, um, I think he had like one goal in one of the early scrimmages and then didn't score after that. And just looking at where they had him on the lines, I mean, you know, opening the camp, they had two full like inter-squad teams of um, – you know, like four lines each, and he was on like the fourth line or the third line to start. And you figure they got to cut those number fours down by like half. I it, it seemed looking at how they went into the beginning, I thought like it would it would be hard for him to make it. So I guess I'm not that surprised after seeing where they had him in in those lines. But I mean, is is this? Do you think that big of a deal? Like, should Penguins fans care? Huh. Not overly, unless they really plan to intensely watch the the tournament, uh, you know, at the end of this month, and then spilling into uh, 
early January, you know, wrapping up right around the time that the Penguins and other NHL clubs hope to be starting their training camps. You know, that might, there might be at least some fans who uh, are tuning in to get a hockey fix. But other than that, I don't think this is a uh, major setback in his development or necessarily an indication that uh, his progress has plateaued or that he's regressed or anything like that. Uh, you know, uh, certainly, at least for the time being, I think it's an indication that Canada has a uh, an awfully good team and will uh, be assuming its perennial spot as one of the favorites to take the gold medal. Yeah, I mean, I know, I just, you know, looking at like the fan reaction, a lot of fans are like, you know, blown away. They thought like, oh, maybe he should have been in like the top, um, like the top six or, you know, at least made the roster. And, you know, they can't believe he didn't make it. I, I think there, uh, for fans, there might be a tendency to, like, overrate the Penguins, like, uh, best prospect at the time, just because they haven't had very many first-round picks in a while. So when they get one, it's like, oh, this is a future superstar. And, like, I, I pull in. I mean, he's a good player. I think he's going to play in the NHL. He could play in the NHL next year. But um, if you look at, like, you know, the guys who did make the team, uh, he – he he's just not not you know uh, uh, one of the top ten picks from from this year's draft. Yeah, I, and I mean I haven't heard any great you and cry from uh, inside Canada about his exclusion from from the roster. So you know, as as you noted, uh, people who follow the Penguins are going to be paying particular attention to how he fared, and uh, perhaps giving him credit for being a better player at this point in his career than he actually is. But, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't read uh, too terribly much into this other than, it, you know, it would have been nice to have a player with ties to the Penguins involved in the tournament on a daily basis, you know, just to uh, give a little extra incentive to watch the games. But no big deal one way or the other. You can chalk it up to the anti-French-Canadian bias and just move on. All right, Dave, there's a lot of different uh, plans, talks coming out of negotiations from uh, the NHL and the NHLPA about what next season might look like. Um, one of the plans that, that's been thrown out there uh, as a possibility is the idea of mini hubs to get through uh, the season. So not quite as as like, like how the, uh, the hub was in the playoffs, but a mini hub. So what, what it sounds like it could be is each division would have, you know, a hub at one time and teams would go into that hub from that division, play a bunch of games at a condensed schedule, and then leave and, and go home, get some time off, and then, you know, go right back into it. What, what do you think about this idea? Oh, I, I think it's an idea worth kicking around. Um... I'd, I'd want to see the details on exactly how it uh, would be scheduled to work. I think you did a pretty nice job there of outlining the basic parameters as we understand them. And, you know, I think the, the NHL is still in a position that it was uh, for, for the playoffs where whatever they think it's going to take to be able to get games in, you know, they, ha they have to be willing to, uh, to at least consider. Um, having all the teams in, you know, from a division in one location, even though they're not, wouldn't all be there at the same time, 
is a way to maybe have a little more control over the testing that players would have uh, to make sure that they hadn't been exposed to or hadn't contracted the coronavirus. Um, you know, there are, there are upsides, certainly. And it's not as if teams would necessarily be losing out on much in terms of home ice advantage uh, because, you know, I think we're proceeding on the assumption that there, at least when the season starts, there wouldn't be fans in the buildings anyway. And as uh, Toronto and Edmonton proved uh, in the postseason, playing in your own building doesn't necessarily guarantee you success. So, you know, if the Penguins were uh, compelled to play their games in Columbus or, you know, New York, uh, that's probably unlikely. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it would have a profound impact, positive or negative, on how their season, at least the early part of it, would play out. Yeah, I would just wonder how, like, the I guess it would impact the, the quality of play otherwise because, I mean, what it sounds like it would be is, you know, condensed games and then they go home and, and they're off for, like, it sounded like maybe like a week or so um just practices so it that 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 kind of like mini break it's like you get like a mini like olympic break a couple times a season i just don't uh like could, do you think that could be hard for especially maybe like an older an older team like getting back into it after you know being off no games for for a week or so oh absolutely and, and i i also think that the quality of play early is really going to suffer from what's pretty much guaranteed to be a shorter than normal training camp you know, it sounds like we're looking at something in the area of about 10 days for all of the teams that qualified for the postseason uh, during the summer and no exhibition games, which means very little time to, you know, get things in sync, to get uh, newcomers acclimated to their surroundings and their new line mates and special teams, colleagues and things like that. So, you know, I... I do think that playing a whole lot of games in just a few days and then being off for an extended period uh, will not help the quality of play, but it won't be the only negative factor in that regard. Yeah, and I, I just wonder how, like, the, the broadcast would work because, I mean, the way we saw it during, you know, like, the, the qualifying round, like, the, the playoffs where there are a bunch of teams playing like that, you know, in the same building. I mean, there were some teams with, like, noon starts or, what, 4 p.m., um starts and i there wouldn't i don't think it, it wouldn't need to be that condensed in in this format because there would be less teams in one bubble but if they're all sharing the same sheet of ice I, I don't think it would be possible to you know have everyone play evening weekend games like some teams would probably have to play weekday um you know during, during like normal working hours which i think could hurt um, when the league is already going to be struggling for for any kind of uh, revenue, like the, the league, it, it's going to be a challenge to get interest back. So I think anything that would make the broadcast schedule weird um, is not ideal. Oh yeah, it's suboptimal to be sure. But again, you know, in a situation like this, I think you have to explore every option. Uh, and again, we don't we don't know that this mini hub concept is one that will be adopted but it is one that's being kicked around. And 
as evidenced by our conversation here, there are a whole lot of elements that uh, will have to be considered before any final decision is rendered. All right, and another one of those options is the idea of playing games kind of like a baseball series where you're not in a, in a mini hub and, and teams would be traveling so that, you know, if the Penguins are in a division with Philly, they might go to Philly and play all their games against the Flyers in Philly um, for the season and then, you know, get a series and then move on, uh, go back home and go play another team. Uh, Dave, what do you think about this idea with this plan? I kind of like it, and, and I certainly understand the, the logic behind it. I mean, it would hold down travel expenses, and given all the revenue that teams have lost during the pandemic, uh, they're certainly not going to be looking to spend any more money than is absolutely necessary. I think we've seen you know, for decades that when teams play home-and-home home series where, say, your uh, your uh, having the Penguins play the Flyers in Pittsburgh on a Saturday night, and then they have a rematch the next night in Philadelphia. Um, the bruises are still fresh. Uh, the insults uh, that you received on the ice the night before haven't been forgotten. Uh, players tend to have a little more of an edge. Things get a bit more feisty. And, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that I think would, tends to appeal to fans uh, when, you know, when the intensity goes up. So, you know, I, I certainly think it, it's an idea worth considering and might even prove to be worthy of keeping uh, when the pandemic is history. Uh, if the league does decide to experiment with that idea, uh, and discovers that it feels the benefits outweigh any downsides, um, I could certainly see it becoming uh, kind of a standard part of the schedule. Yeah, and I mean, just to speak to like the, the, the chippiness, I mean, it, it, that's a pretty common thing in, in minor league hockey, just because, I mean, they are trying to cut down on travel. So Wilkes-Barre might play Hershey twice in the same weekend, or they might do a home-and-home home where, you know, Hershey then Wilkes-Barre. Um, and and you do see like you know the second game or you know whatever in the series uh, they are more uh, you know intense if there was any like bad blood from the first game um, I I think we're gonna be seeing that like in in the East AHL with because uh, most of the league like half the league is has opted out uh, most of the Nailers division pretty much the Nailers are gonna be playing indie all season um, and I think we're gonna it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, so I, we could see that, and and that could be good for like we said in the last segment. Um, you know, the the league's gonna be, uh, it's it's gonna be a challenge to to get fans interested again, and because they've been without hockey for so long. So if you know, there's a rivalry game, Penguins Capitals, and you know the first game was chippy, fans are gonna want to tune in to see what happens in in the next game the next day. So I think that could be good uh, for interest. Yeah, and, uh, you know, perhaps when you get uh, back to normal hockey, if uh, such a thing still exists, you wouldn't necessarily have to play on back-to-back -back nights or anything. You could play in Washington on uh, Friday night and then have the Capitals here on Sunday instead of Saturday. Uh, you could certainly have a, a little flexibility with scheduling. But, I, I mean, I think it's a concept that, that actually could have some appeal. and. Uh, you know, it's, it's worth, you know, 
Yeah. And, worth, worth investigating at the very least. Yeah, and for, you know, travel-wise, probably not as big of an issue with the teams in the East, but out West, like I'm, I'm reminded, um, I think it was like last season or two seasons ago, Jonathan Taze actually brought this up as an idea that, um, you know, they could keep, uh, the, like the league, the go with Joe obviously this is pre-pandemic. Um, he suggested the, the idea of baseball like series just because, you know, out West travel can be rough. So I think what Taze said was like, you know, if like the Blackhawks are going to play San Jose, you go there, play your, all your games against San Jose, so you don't have to go back. Um, so, I mean, something like that, especially at West, I mean, it would definitely make it easier for, for the guys out there uh, beyond the pandemic. Yeah, that's why, and, and I'm, I'm sure there's a downside. Um, perhaps the ticket buying public uh, doesn't want to see the same team twice in two nights or three nights. Uh, I guess there'd have to be some research done on that. But, you know, on, on a superficial basis, at least for now, it seems to me that the positives outweigh the negatives and make this an idea that, that is worth uh, at least investigating.